Oh! Hey, everybody! Don't turn it off. Don't turn turn off off this podcast. Keep it on. Sorry, that was annoying. Here we go. (laughs) This is... This is a big one. This is a huge one. My name is Lucas Neff. My name is Barry Rothbard. And this is our... 25th episode anniversary. So, um, anniversary. It's our 25th episode anniversary. Anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you want to explain what that means? It means that this is next episode that we're about to intro is the intro to our 25th episode. Yes. And by relation, our yeah. 25th intro. Now, a lot of you are wondering why we didn't just say this in the intro for that episode and why we needed an intro for that intro. Yeah, you're well, probably thinking that. <laughs> well, you want to explain that? Well, uh, we forgot. We, and we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We never forgot. We've never forgotten. Yes. But we didn't know that this episode was going to be our 25th. It was a game time decision. We don't count our episodes. We're not monsters. Yeah. It's it's about playing the game. It's not about the stats. You never count your episodes when you're sitting at the table, which Mm -hmm. is what uh, I think uh, Kenny Rogers said. Kenny Rogers said it. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash sang it. Um, So in honor of our our 25th. Who episode. who is our guest? Lucas should say who our guest is. Yeah, and let's just say their family and his uh, mother. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's my family mom, and you're going to learn all about her in the intro to the episode that you're about to hear. Um, and just just for um, for our 25th episode <laughs> anniversary, we are going to do our 25th episode anniversary tradition. Yep, for our first ever, where oh yeah, we're going to read. The Instagram handles of three fans at that random. That Barry Rothbard is slowly pulling up onto his phone I'm screen. pulling up. I'm going to randomly pull three people who liked the post about our last podcast, which was uh, Ashling. Okay, yeah. Ashling B. Ashling B. Ashling three A+. Three people. Plus. Okay, here we go. We have at Jillian Winter. Hey, podcast at, listener number one. Julian Winter, who's our you favorite. are number one, our favorite on our 25th episode anniversary. We have yeah. at Dr. L Torres. It's spelled D R D R L. Hey, what's up, Doc? T O R R E S. And finally, you want to do a drum roll? Our third listener of the 25th anniversary is our favorite listener at Feed Me Burritos All Day. At Feed Me Burritos All Day, our favorite listener. Yes, who actually won the Ben Higgins Challenge. Yes, yeah. you're still in our hearts and minds. Okay, now let's do our intro. Now let's listen to the intro. <laughs> it's a good show. And we have an incredible episode. The episode for you, the podcast. No ASMR. It has nothing to do with ASMR. Yeah, we just thought it would be rest. fun to start with that. Yeah, it was a nice um, way to ease into it. So um, before you introduce who it is, I got to say, um, we've had Lucas's father on the show. I know you're is this you're a giveaway. You're you're partial to them because they're your parents, but uh, they're incredible people. If anything, I'm less partial. Really? Yeah. I think you're partial in one way or another. Either you don't like them or you like them a lot. It's gonna you're gonna be and biased. I like them. I like them. I'm impartial because I don't care either way. But uh, your parents happen to be incredible. They're they're I've crazy. had friends whose parents aren't. Yeah, I mean, I most of my friends' parents aren't, so I totally understand. I had one uh, friend whose parents wouldn't let me touch any of their furniture because they thought I was too dirty. <laughs> so, your, your parents are incredible. Were your friends barons? Mm-mm. No, no, they were uh, Iranian, and uh, they they thought I, they didn't like me. I don't know why. <laughs> How old were you? I was like four, five. Wow, that six. is a 
dislike of a child. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we have on the program today Mead Palodowski, which is your mother. Is also my mom. Yeah, she's a she's a director, a lyricist, and a, an award winning playwright. And since 1984, she's created and led Story Catcher theater's signature programs. Uh, as a result of her writing background and interest in social change, she developed and refined the unique story catcher's process, using personal story writing as a springboard for personal growth. And uh, Storycatchers is uh, storycatcherstheater.org is the website where you can find them. They're a, a group that uh, where they believe in the transformative power of stories and they believe that everyone deserves a second chance and their ensembles uh, of court-involved youth work, uh, youth, their ensembles of court-involved youth work with teaching artists, part organizations, and government allies and volunteers to create new musical theater. So they, cr- they work with kids in, in detention centers and yeah. who are incarcerated or post-release to create original musicals that well, deal with the own the trauma that they've been through. They're telling their own stories through the art of um, plays. Yeah, theater. Drama. Theater, theater plays. Theater. Drama theater. Yeah, which is incredible. And I, I knew your mom. I heard your mom on This American Life years ago. Yeah, yeah. I want to actually plug this episode because this is probably the one of the best moments ever in This American Life. And I'm not just saying that because I've listened to, you know, like most... White people. I've listened to almost every episode of This American Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the, it's from an episode on July 11th, 2003. Look it up. It's called 20 Acts in 60 Minutes. Um, this is the 20th act. Uh, and it's Lucas's mom. And she deals with um, um, a, a few of her kids. And she talks about what they do. And then you hear them do a performance. And it, it's, one of the, it's, it's one of the hardest I've ever cried listening to anything. It's I don't ever cry. It's weird to think that we didn't know each other and, I, and my mom made you cry. The kids did, but the your mom did. facilitated yeah. it. My mom facilitated it. It's Really listen to it. Uh, 20 Acts in 60 Minutes, This American Life. You need to hear it. It's incredible, and it's all because of Lucas's mom. Yeah, and yeah. if you if you don't want to just listen to her, if you want to learn more about her work, she was also featured in a documentary, Girls on the Wall, yeah. which uh, follows her work with Fabulous Females, a girls-only uh, program she was running for a while where a lot of girls in the system... Uh, she had them write and perform in, in plays of their own. Yeah. And it's sort of the documentary deals, details with that experience, <clears throat> yeah. deals with that experience. But we have a great yeah, and conversation. We, we get into like uh, rehabilitation, trauma, you know, uh, empathy. Yeah, we she, get into a lot of stuff here. She's worked with, she works with cops. Ju- she tells us who are, finally who are better actors, cops or judges. Yeah, and she puts us in our place. Yeah, she takes everybody finally. down a peg. She finally, you know, tells us who's boss. Mm-hmm. And even though we gave her uh, more points than probably she should have gotten, she didn't care. <laughs> Don't give she it away. I go, Don't uh, give no, it away. Okay, no, no d- that's ignore fine. that part. Ignore yeah. that part. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's get high. Yeah, and let's smoke some weed and talk to my mom and save the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Rothbart and Lucas Neff. Nothing from nothing, leave nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. Thanks so much for joining us, Mom, on such short notice. Can I call you Mom as well? Sure. <laughs> you know, I have many people that call me Mom. Oh, good. That's actually a great lead in, perhaps. Um, <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Do you wanna okay. lead in? Um, Barry, well, Barry's going to start with a uh, start. Barry's first of all, start. hi. It's been forever. 
Yes, it has been. I'm a, I'm a big but, fan. As am I. Oh, that's what I was waiting <laughs> for. Oh, right, long long pause, though, right? <laughs> I noticed that, too. <laughs> yeah, that was really true. Um, yes, of course um, I am. She was stopping to count. Can I can I jump right into a question that has been sure. that has been burning burning my uh, my phone and my mind and my notes app? Okay, <laughs> this um, has got me excited. I want to know what this question is. So, uh, in your uh, uh, you know, I, I actually I, I, I listened to your This American Life. I read up on your organization. We've spoken. Uh, I think at length about what you do and and what your your organization does. Story Catchers Theater. I think what struck me, especially listening to the This American Life episode, and for those not familiar, I guess we could set this up in the intro. There was a great This American Life piece uh, a few years ago, right? Wait, do you remember the one about the fabulous females, right? Yeah. And Mama, I'm sorry. Yes, Actually, Mama, um, I'm sorry. That's exactly mm-hmm. that's the song that when made was, me yeah. cry. When was that from? Oh, it, that was actually the very first Fabulous Females show that we did. And Ira came and saw it and taped it. And then they didn't actually use it till some years later. Oh, and okay. they called and said, you know, we want this tape. But what was great is I was just in Santa Fe and I did a show with Ira and um, he played that tape as the introduction. Oh, that's so well, cool. I, I, was, I remember when I heard it, um, I didn't know you or Lucas yet. And I was listening to it on a road trip with my wife, and we both started crying hysterically. I think we had to pull over. I think we were somewhere uh, halfway between L.A. and San Francisco. And I I was just curious, how do you manage your emotions in, in the work you do? Do you try to limit them and try and uh, you know stay above it, or do you allow yourself to get emotional working with these children that are in pretty dire circumstances? Because a lot um, of them are know, incarcerated. People- yeah. Well, actually, pretty much all of them are incarcerated now or, or you know, post-release. Yeah. Um, you know, people ask me that all the time. And, oh, and what it. I say is... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a creative you know, question. So unoriginal. I apologize for how unoriginal our podcast is. We, we generally try to be more innovative. <laughs> I think so. it's something that if you deal with people who are traumatized, people are like, how can you possibly listen to that? How can you do that? Um, and not just feel traumatized yourself all the time. But... For me, you know, I love the kids that I work with, and I see when they tell their stories, which are often really, you know, terrible stories of being, you know, abused and seeing friends die and people shot and many, many things, um, that when they tell that story and they get it out finally, that there is a light that comes on in their eyes, that they begin to understand what has happened to them, and there's a certain pride in being able to tell a story and to live beyond it. And, and that's what I focus on is, you know, what are the positive results of telling terrible stories and, you know, and becoming stronger and living on. So you allow yourself to get emotional. Oh yeah. I mean, I, we're writing plays and we're writing musicals. And so, but you know, the part of the thing is that one of the reasons we write musicals is because you can take some very, very painful situations and when you make them musical and you have beautiful metaphors and images and then it turns something that is, you know, something that may have been shameful and painful into something really beautiful and it becomes universal. 
comes can, everybody's song. Can I leap in here? You sort of mentioned in bits and pieces kind of the work you do, um, you know, with writing musicals, uh, working with uh, incarcerated or post-release, post-release youth. Can you maybe explain in sort of broad terms what I- is the work you do with Storycatchers Theater? Sure. Um, well, I've been doing this. I'm the founder and artistic director of Storycatchers. And so I've been doing this for almost 35 years wow. where we have youth tell their stories and, you know, we create first staged readings out of them and then we turn it into a, a musical, a one act musical. And there is, you know, it's the only way that you can heal. Judith Herman, who wrote um, Trauma and Recovery, said that the hardest trauma to recover from um, actually is is rape. And the only way you do it is to tell your story to the community and have the community affirm you. And, you know, and that's basically what we do is we tell these very painful stories um, sort of triumphantly to the community and to families. And it brings a lot of healing to people. And who are, can you explain who these youth are a little bit more? Well, we're in Illinois. So these are kids that um, we have a program that sort of a wraparound program that goes from probation through detention, which is kids that are not adjudicated yet into incarceration, which kids which are kids that are, and then into post-release, which are kids that are released from being incarcerated and back into the community so that we can help them to re-enter and be successful. And so, uh, you know, I read your uh, "Who Are We" portion of your website. Um, I love it. I don't know if you wrote it, but it's I, such I think a good it's, it's way well to done. title a bit of your website. It's a very important question that I'm like always asking. It's a good question. Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> huh? There's no question mark though, so I'll, I'll just who are pretend we? that's a typo, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, or who we are? No, there shouldn't be a are. question. It's yeah. a who we are. So that's my fault. Anyway, this has been great podcasting very, yeah. so far. <laughs> These past few seconds have really been together, some of my Barry. best work. Um, you, you, there, you say um, um, in in the who we are section that our our performances take place inside juvenile justice facilities, inside schools all over Chicago. We are a forum for discussion about hope, dignity, and change for civic influencers, police recruits, judges, and people like you. I guess two questions about that is wh- how how do you deal with police and for people who are adults, I'm assuming. Um, and also, what what do you mean by forum for discussion? Well, all of the shows that we do are really a springboard for discussion. You're, you're bringing out issues in the community, problems between families, and and what you want to do is to promote, a, you know, a discussion afterwards. Um, and when we go out into the community and our kids, the post-release kids especially, are taking out shows you know, to schools and such, the whole point of it is to, you know, have a discussion afterwards to talk about what happened, how the characters felt, mm. how what, what could they have done differently? How do you role play different choices that might end up with, you know, different consequences or what, positive consequences? What, and yeah, what are you, is that the hope from these discussions or what, are, like, do you have goals that you're like, oh, this is what I hope to get out of, of the discussions afterwards. This is what I hope people leave with. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, the whole discussion is 
Oh my right, right, sorry, I'll try to I'll try to bring better questions about the future. Wow, sorry, not sorry. just you know, frequently in, in theater you have what are called talkbacks and they tend to be just whoever from the audience asks whatever and whatever the people answer. But in our discussions we think of them sort of as act two mm. of a one act musical, right? That here is the the point of it all is what could have happened differently? What could these characters have done differently? How did these characters feel? What did they want? And if they had made a different choice, what? how would that have made them feel? Um, and we kind of use that format with pretty much everything we do. We are doing a program now at the DuSable Museum of African-American History once a month with police recruits from the Chicago Police Department. And we're looking at a traffic stop gone bad written by one of our community youth, you know, the post-release youth, um, where they get stopped by the police and, the, you know, they don't tell them why they're stopped and they end up, you know, just trashing their van and it's cold and they would don't let anybody, you know, they shackle them on the corner and don't let anybody have a jacket and then they, you know, basically trash the van and, and take the keys and leave. And so we use that as sort of a jumping off point to talk about, you know, with police recruits, was that procedure and where was it not procedure and, you know, what what should have happened and what could have happened differently, but how that made the youth in the van feel. And, you know, they'll say that it made them feel violated and angry and, you know, like they've been, you know, pointed out and, and, you know, a lot of different emotions and that, um, but mostly just angry, violated and, you know, targeted. And then we do the same story, basically the same traffic stop from a police procedural point of view. And we interviewed cops and said, well, this was the situation, what should be done. And in that scenario, we have, um, a seasoned cop, Sergeant Pepper, who trains police recruits and has a recruit um, who is joined the police force because his sister was um, held up when she was young. And he had determined that that was why he should be a, a policeman and, and make sure that that never happened again. And so we talk a lot about trauma as well. In the first scenario, there's the friend of the driver, Vaughn, is a kid, Sean. And this is I love these names, by the story. way. <laughs> Great name, Good. Sergeant Pepper. Excellent name. I was going to ask you: Is that his real name? Yeah. yeah. Is that is there a Sergeant Pepper, or is and it where just a is his lonely heart character club? that you've come up with? It's it's our delightful character because everybody plays him. But oh, it, actually, it, the person okay. who gave us the interview was a, a female um, who had become a police person after she had like four or six kids, and her husband had left her, and. And she went through the academy and she had become a trainer. And she talked about how difficult it was to train recruits and how often, because that was something that was sort of, sort of became her job, that you were out with these recruits and you really could not trust them, right? Because you didn't know what the heck, who they were and, you know, what their reactions were going to be on certain things. And sometimes you got calls where it was pretty hairy and she would make the decision to kind of sort of leave them in the car, Oh, yeah. wow. Um, wow. Yeah, that was a really interesting interview because we, we talked a lot about trauma because in the first story, um, Vaughn's friend Sean was a kid who had, at the age of 13, had been playing with a BB gun in the alley in Chicago and a neighbor called the 
police because she thought it was a real gun. And when the police came, they shot him five times. Wait, this is real? Um, no, this is a story. This yeah. is a, this is a real story. Oh, and he was, uh, you know, he survived, but he was completely traumatized. And every time he was in the car with his friends, and the, you know, they would see the police and or be stopped by the police, he would want to run. Right. Of that course, was his first shot five times food. by the police right. to run away. As a 13 year old, but, you know, and we also, yeah, as a 13 year old. So he's incredibly traumatized and he makes his friend Vaughn have to really, you know, spend a lot of time just controlling and soothing him and making him get through these stops without, you know, any further trouble. Um, so we talk about that too. Is like, how does this? And this is one of the youth you worked with. This is like based on a story of someone you worked with. Yeah, this is based on the story of, of um, a kid that worked with us in the post release program. I mean, he wrote the story. So, so can, can anyway, I? Uh, can I ask you? So you have the uh, the so the children perform this for the recruits. They perform plays. No, what actually happens is that we have this pile of recruits. So we take three or four of our youth to help do the program, mm -hmm. but the actual actors in the story are mostly recruits. So they play the kids in the car with one oh, of our kids playing Bond. Wow. And the, then they play the police, and we have somebody from them playing Sergeant Pepper, but we have one of our kids playing um, Officer Bryson, who was the... So it's like role reversal know, a little bit. The recruit, That's yeah. That's So you're forcing Putting to... them into those situations and then saying, well, how did that make you feel? Wow. So how you're forcing you them to get deep? into the roles, into the emotional yeah, exactly. headspace. Exactly. Of these it's like a, a designed empathy game. What an incredible... An machine. That's incredible. Well, I know you do this every day, but it's, it's incredible. Well, Sorry. Yeah. Well, we do this one once a month, and it's been really successful. We usually yeah. have about 100, 125 recruits, and we divide them into two groups. And, and you know, we make it fun, too. They, we do – our kids lead them in warm-ups, you know, and, and so they, you know, they sort of audition for their roles. That's amazing. <laughs> um, can, I, can I ask here, because you talk about uh, – a lot of this is done in Illinois and in Chicago. Uh, I'm from Chicago. Uh, that's where you shout out. Uh, yeah. Shout out yeah. to Chi town. But a lot of people use Chicago sort of in the news to represent something in sort of society today, whether it's like gun violence or gang violence or just the deep the, dish the, pizza, deep dish pizza, delicious deep dish pizza, best pizza in the world, <laughs> deep dish pizza. Or, uh, you know, they, they use Chicago as a representation of some kind. Do you feel working in these, these exact environments that there's uh, that he, there's a way you wish Chicago would be represented, or in your words, or sort of in your experience. Well, I think people have to see the whole of Chicago because for many people, Chicago is a great place to be. But you know, frankly, for our kids, and when we work with the post-release youth, they're in neighborhoods where there you know there are daily shootings, and you know I've gone to funerals of our kids. The kid who wrote that story that we do for the police was shot and killed this year, you know, so, and we had a kid who was one of our actors who had lost 12 friends in the last year, five of them on Easter weekend from shootings. So it's, you know, that's a different world. It's not like, you know, there's certain parts of Chicago that are really lovely and good for people. And there are neighborhoods that are just, you know, really scary. And I had a kid who said to me recently, he said, you know, 
we feel really safe when we come here and that's where we meet for the post-release group. He said, when I go home, I never know what's going to happen. Wow. Why, why do you think those particular, why do you think that situation has been so difficult to change? Well, I think people are trying to make things change, but I think gun laws, the lack of gun laws, all the guns that have come in from Indiana, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this proliferation of guns and, and frankly, you know, structural racism and generational poverty, you know, people who have not had a good education, who grow up in intense poverty, um, you know, totally traumatized in broken up families which, you know, has come through both slavery and welfare and poverty. You know, it's it's a really hard thing to change around, but, I mean, we have to do it because it's, you know, it's not right. Uh, you spoke of a couple historical things there. Okay, you, you wanna... mentioned uh, You mentioned some history. So we like to do a segment, if I'm allowed to interject, Mom. Uh... <laughs> Let her answer. <laughs> yeah. Is that cool? Can I interject with a segment? Sure. Oh, uh, there's okay. the enthusiasm nice. I've come to know. Well, love. I don't know what seg- uh, what is your segment. Well, you're segment, about to well, find out. Actually, I'm I'm transforming the segment after a lot no. of critical feedback. Oh my god! I'm changing the segment a little bit. Um, the it's it's early chance to win a point now, uh, and it's 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 going to help me out. Can you do that? Do you think you you might get a point here if you can just tell me? Well, first, the so, segment is called. I, first, let me just name the segment. It's called. So you understand. On this, this day. All right. Lucas has been tinkering with this idea for a long, long time. I don't know if he talks about this over Thanksgiving dinners and whenever you guys are together. Every but opportunity. This seems I get. like it's been a big part of his life for the last several years. Uh, it's just that I get the most feedback on it of anything I've ever done. And so okay. I, it's called On This Day. It's a thing. Where I it's like to, it's a creation. It's a Lucas creation. It's a, it's an ever-changing, dynamic invention of my mind, and uh, how it works is I like to say something positive that happened in history. How on did you come up with the title on this day? Because it was this day oh, when right. I thought okay. of it, yeah. um, which is now not this day, and that's the problem. That's the main problem that I run into is that the day we no, record, which is today, is not the day that this will air. So I need to make it really clear to the to the listeners that what they're hearing that happened on this day actually happened today, which mm-hmm. is not this day that you're listening now. Yes. I'm speaking in the present tense in the future. The Are you future still present. in? Would you still like to hear so this? So the way you can earn a point is, first off, what is this day? Do you uh, know? What is today? What's today? Don't look at a calendar. Today is July 2nd. All right, Whoa! yes, today is July 2nd. That's not worth a point. Which is... but I don't know why you, I didn't agree to this. I think that's worth half a point. We'll give you half a point, Mom. Okay. Just, I knew Knowing I, what day I knew it if is, I started at a point, there was no way I'd get her to okay. I had to get started a point yeah. to get half a point out of you. Okay, all right. That was me carefully What day of the week you. is it, though? Yeah, what day of the what week is it? Week? Quick. It is Monday. Ah, Where we are is the correct answer. <laughs> Um, but it's July 2nd, not the day you're listening, listeners, but on July 2nd, something, we're not if, sure you're if, you're listening. if you're not listening, then just, you know, do we continue on. Um, in 1839, 20 miles off the coast of Cuba, mm. 53 rebelling African slaves led by Joseph Cinque or Cinque, uh, my yeah. apologies on pronunciation First there. One. Took over what famous ship? Ah, this is turning into trivia now, huh? See, see, it's a little more interactive. I think it's fun this way if I make it a question. 
Um, the one, uh, f- the one from Amistad. It is Amistad. Yeah. Yay! I swear I didn't know that. Barry just got your half point back because he answered the question correctly before you did, Mom. You didn't know there was going to be a question, and that's I had no idea. I can't take responsibility. And I didn't know you were asking me. I thought you were asking your audience. Oh, oh well, they can't respond as quickly. Yeah, but uh, we'll make that clear in the future. Good note. Good note. Constructive criticism always appreciated, Mom. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about La Amistad. It was a 19th century two-masted schooner owned by a Spaniard schooner. 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 Owned by a Spaniard. Hey, look at that schooner. Look at that schooner. Uh, a two-masted schooner. Owned by a Spaniard living in Cuba, and it became renowned in July 1839 on the second this day. Renowned? What does that mean? Well known. Oh, it became renowned? Yeah, it was oh, famous for it. had a different meaning. Uh, for a slave revolt led by Mende captives who'd been enslaved in Sierra Leone and were being transported from Havana, Cuba to their purchaser's plantations. Hmm. Uh, they took control of the ship, but the Spanish survivors misdirected the ship after the slaves took control and uh, redirected it off the coast of Long Island, mm. where after a lengthy trial... Hey, yo, get that ship out of here! Yeah, yeah. After yeah. a lengthy trial, it was uh, declared that the Africans could not be slaves, and they were declared legally free. So they overtook the ship, La Amistad, and eventually won their freedom, uh, hey. which is really cool. And it all started on July 2nd, cool. which is not the day you're listening. But it's on this, this day. day. Is that it? Yeah, you that's only it. One. <laughs> I kept hey! it down. That's why I told the story. That's great. Yeah, see? So are you going to give your mom a point? Well, no, because you answered it correctly. So she okay. lost ha- the half a point she had. So you're at zero points, Mom. I really don't care. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, can we use that as a soundbite for a bunch yeah, of our segments? I think probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm actually going to give you a point. For for Whoa. being honest, for honesty, <laughs> we really rate honesty on this program. It's an essential. It's a key component of saving the world. <laughs> the podcast. Um, so if I can, if I may, can I jump back in here with a question? You may. Um, I I had an idea as you were speaking earlier about um, people acting out other roles in order to create some sort of lesson or a sense of empathy. Do you think that that can be uh, applied to other realms? Maybe politics. Maybe. Um, what, what are some bigger picture ideas for, for this, for what you do? Could I learn how to be, how an astronaut feels? Yes. If I pretend but, to uh, be an that astronaut? Would, I, I'm almost going as far as to say if you had hated astronauts, yeah. maybe you could, or you, you had been aggressive towards astronauts. Maybe you could then be like, if I were a person who yes. was hostile towards astronauts yeah. by playing an astronaut and of course having the astronaut play me, yes. we'd both learn to like each other. Or if my mom played more. a vegan. Or you would at least <laughs> examine the yeah. emotions and feelings that the person had exactly. in the situation. Yes. Uh, politicians is a big thought I had. Is there, yeah. <clears throat> do you think, do you think politicians are savable? <laughs> That's not my question. <laughs> I mean, it's a I'm just saying bigger it. applications yeah. for this process. Yeah. Are there other, would you only work with, uh, you know, you've, you've expanded beyond youth to police recruits. Is there anyone else you would expand? Or you've considered. Sort of, that you've considered? Well, actually, we've, we've done the same thing for judges and justices, ah. too. To look at stories that our kids have told and to have discussions with them afterwards about, you know, what, what the kids understood or did not understand when they went to court and what you know, the justices should do to help them to understand what's happening. And so that these kids don't go in blind 
And um, and we had some really interesting. We once did the first time we did that. The justices were actually judges that had been the judges that sent our kids away. <gasps> wow, <laughs> was that super yeah. intense? Was that awkward? So they they actually they were very they were intense, and they asked the kids, "What could we have done to not have sent you? You know, to not have incarcerated you? Just not done and it." Some of our, you know, and some of our kids just said, you know, you gave us lots of chances and we just, you know, we were at the end of them. But then there wow. was, it was a judge that told um, a story about becoming a judge and how for the first two weeks that she was a judge, she would get up and she would vomit every day because she was so afraid that she would make the wrong decision for someone that's incredible. So it was really moving experience to hear both from the kids and the judges what their experience was in court with each other. Can I ask a and question she, here? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask, um, in speaking just to your experience, um, between judges and cops, who are the better actors? Well, the judges didn't really act. They just had a discussion afterwards. The um, recruits are actually very fun um, because wow. one of the reasons that our kids were interested in doing the stuff with the recruits is that they're pretty much the same age because our kids are 17 to 24 that are in the post-release program and the recruits are also you know, in that age range, a lot of them. So, so and they age. haven't been they haven't been on the street yet. So, you know, the, there's much more possibility of really influencing them. Do you ever deal with people who are just not good at it? And and do you do you try and coach them through it, or do you just embrace everyone's uh, abilities? Do you mean not good at understanding, no. or just not good, or not good at acting or writing? Well, we're not looking for great actors. We're looking for people who are willing to get up and, you know, yeah. I mean, what we do is we do a big warm up at the beginning called Going Bananas. And then they they learn the song in the show. And because we have a whole bunch of them, we're looking for the people who put themselves out there. Right. Mm. Or not afraid to dance, not afraid to move. And and those are the ones you kind of pick to be the, the characters on the stage. And then the rest of them become the chorus. Can I ask, like, oh. this is such a specific, you know, to be teaching theater to police recruits and, and uh, you know, uh, incarcerated, post-release, all sorts of different youth. It's such a specific thing to do. Can you sort of explain how you got into it? Mm. I was wondering that, too. Well, my entry into this was just basically the idea that if you're doing theater, that, you know, theater is a real opportunity an entry point into a lot of different thoughts and things. And then a play, which is really hard to write, as you well know, Lucas. Mm, um, whoa. <laughs> is that a dig? I um, think it was a slight dig. She's read a lot of my plays. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, writing a play is a big task. That's what I tell my kids. You know, that this may be the only play that you ever write in your life. Whoa. And so you want to make it really something that will help change the world. And so you have to spend a lot of time on it and thought. And and you you want the people on in the audience to, you know, ad identify with the characters and to see their choices and to want to, you know, it's better than for me. It was like the difference between just working political campaigns when I want to do something social and and actually using the theater that I love to do something um, that 
theaters should be able to move the audience to want to get up and do something, right? Not just be entertained, um, but to change their lives and to change the world around them. And But the play has to be set up to do that. And the discussion afterwards has to be the jumping off point. Wow. Ah. So, so you do think that um, that all maybe all written do you think do, do you do you think that applies to books to movies that they should all have a a message that's or that's pretty clear television to, sitcoms. to make people want to to inspire people to take action or, or do well, you think... I think if you want to have you know i mean i have always been someone who was taught that from a little kid that it was my job to make the place you know this world a better place um so if that's your job, then you have to think about how to do it and you have to use your own, you know, abilities and skills and interests and love, which I do love theater and writing and music and dance um, to help make that change. And why wouldn't you use that? In, you know? But how did you find yourself within these sort of in these worlds, like at detention centers or juvenile incarceration? Well, because when I first started, we were writing plays that were stories of real teenagers um, making choices and facing consequences and stuff. And then we took those plays into the juvenile detention center. And at the same time, I was doing a, a court watch program, you know, the Citizens Committee, um, where you go in and, and watch cases in juvenile court. And and I ran into the case of... Uh, really interesting case of the son of a police officer who had taken his father's service revolver, which obviously wasn't locked up in the house, and gone to a party and ended up shooting and killing his best friend. And watching that case in court was really eye-opening because they let the kid immediately, even though it was a murder charge, go home because his father was a police officer. And, you know, and then there was just it it just became this kind of wild case. And usually when you go in to watch these cases, you don't follow a case. But I asked if I could. And so I did. And that actually was I was doing a a show about juvenile violence because it was in the 90s. You know, and that was the the whole thing about the teen predators. Um, And so it was really interesting to watch that case of the, you know, white son of a white cop and and then start following cases that were at the detention center, which were, you know, African-American kids. And to imagine the world that they all lived in. And and so, you know, I wrote a, a musical called Someone You Can Trust that yeah, we actually also did. God, I yeah, saw that a billion times as a kid. <laughs> so we also did that at the DuSable Museum a lot and, you know, at schools. Um, but, you know, it was an interesting thing to take that into a school and then do um, use it as a, a way to bring in the community and, and to have community nights about juvenile violence and what was going on in the community and, and to have people come together to make change. And so that's when you started this organization? So I started the organization in 1984 and it was, you know, a sort of a journey of going through doing um, the shows at the schools the Chicago public schools, but then, then the Chicago public schools that is in the detention center. Um, and from there, we were still doing a lot of programs in the community, but at a certain point, a few years ago, we decided that um, 
that we needed to devote our attention and our funding um, basically on the kids that were incarcerated and, and after they were released because they had the least amount of support in the community. Wow. Wow. Well, um, I think it might be time, time for, for uh, uplifting news. Uplifting news. Did you yes? Oh, did you yes? Did you Sorry. Yes. Sorry. So this was this is embarrassing. So uh, I haven't done this segment well, in, let me a, just in a say, little while. First, great, uh, great answers to those questions, Mom. <laughs> yes. Uh, I know. It goes without saying. Like this is actually incredibly interesting, and I hope that us doing a segment isn't throwing off any momentum or. She's or, unstoppable. Okay. Let me tell you that from experience. Um, I'm not worried, but believe thank me, you. great answer. I, I, in, uh, if I wasn't contractual obligated i would not be doing these segments right now but i i actually uh i haven't done this in a long time it's been a so minute. i think you should feel honored that i'm bringing this back mm -hmm. um because i found out uh, some very good news and this is where we give some uplifting news about this what's is very, happening sort of a feel-good uh podcast and we yeah. want to introduce as many sometimes we don't know where the guest is going to go so we bring along That's right. some guarantee feel-good it's easy to find bad news this, yeah. is a, this is a saying that i pretend that i always have it's easy to find bad news but good news it's hard to find. Yep. Yep. I rem um, <laughs> we're printing T-shirts. Yes, if anyone wants to order them I'm pretending that that's something Instagram that I've account. said before. Um, it's not. Okay. So uh, here's some good news. I I'll just read the headline because the headline's pretty uh, pretty self-explanatory. And you're allowed to tear this apart. You can ask any follow-up questions you want to ask. And you're allowed to to challenge if this is good news. I don't think you would, but you're allowed mm -hmm. to challenge that. You can if you, if you can question like. Anyone, authority in any way you yeah. you you please. Um, so the, here's the headline. Um, and it's from ecowatch.com, which I did some homework on. It's not fake news. Um, good to know. Uh, against all odds, mountain gorilla numbers are on the rise. Hey! Mountain gorillas, which was... Uh, I read some of the article, and I'll sum it up. I, I didn't read the whole article. <laughs> I read most of it. I did. I read a good part of it. We're a um, polished, polished, informative so, news hour. So, um, mountain gorillas in the uh, Virunga National Park. Ooh. Which, if you've seen the movie Virunga, Virunga, have you seen that the documentary? Which one? Virunga. Uh, no. Virunga. Um, it's. But I know people who have. There's a Virunga National Park um, in, I believe, Rwanda. Yeah, and it's. Uh, it's the largest conservation or it's the largest population of mountain gorillas. And they were almost extinct in uh, the, the late 80s, early 90s. They were down to 200 on Earth. Whoa. Um, poachers are still around. Poachers are very they dangerous. They never go away. It's actually one of the, the deadliest places for a human or a gorilla. It's this national park because poachers are known to kill um, these conservationists who are trying to even protect these gorillas. Nice. But somehow, miraculously... The numbers are on the rise. Um, it might not sound like a lot, but um, um, they've gone from 480 in 2010 to 604 uh, in two years. And now it's believed in, sorry, in just six years. And now it's believed that there are 1,000. Wow. Somehow there's not any less poachers. Um, but somehow the efforts of good people are working and there's more mountain gorillas. Is this good news or bad news? Your turn. Go. <laughs> Meet my turn, mom. <laughs> yes, I think that's good news. Yeah, like point for that. I like gorillas. Gorillas are great, yeah. and if you've seen that movie, also there's a movie, Gorillas in the Mist, um, which is uh, very good, and it's also about the East Africa Virunga Mountains and their gorillas. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, so good news, right? Yeah, great news. All I right, so great. we're okay. 
Hey guys, I'm Lucas Neff. I'm Barry Rothbart. And you know us from Saving the World, but uh, we want to talk about another great podcast today, Never Seen It, with uh, host comedian Kyle Ayers, a good friend of ours. We went on this podcast and basically... We won uh, it. Yeah, we won it. We did the we best. The best. Everybody else ever. has lost since us. But uh, it's all about uh, Kyle having a bunch of his friend, famous, funny people on the show rewriting movies that they've never seen. They all write like six-minute versions of... of movies with their own hilarious take. So uh, you'll hear Dan Harmon's take on Lawrence of Arabia, Amy Miller's rewriting of The Shining, and Flula Borg's No Country for Old Men, which they read live in the studio. So you hear these, these hilarious people do stuff. We did, uh, I, I did Pretty Woman, you I did, did Pretty, pretty in Pink. Pink. All yeah, pretty. so you can check our episode out and hear our all pretty takedown. Um, plus, they have some hilarious segments, which you and I remember fondly. Of course. Of uh, what movie is Kyle's dad describing based solely off of seeing the trailer and never heard of the movie? Mm-hmm. And then our favorite, which uh, you won. Mm-hmm. Um, w- guess what three movie scenes are playing when the audio of all three are played simultaneously? It's horrifying. It's just so scary. Um, and, uh, you know, just it's a great show. Honestly, Listen, it's really fun. It's a great idea. Start with our Kyle's episode. Terrific. Start with our episode. Uh, it's a good entryway to anything, really. Um, make sure you don't miss a single episode and subscribe to Never Seen an iTunes, Spotify, or where, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. You weirdo. You creepy weirdo. Should we? There is it time for a. Oh, you want to jump right into another Should segment? We? Is that okay? No, we can wait a bit. Let's ask another question. Should we just? Should we wait a bit? We can wait. Let's wait a bit. Do you want to wait a bit? Let's leave it up to our guest. What do you think, Mom? Me? What am I waiting for? What are you waiting for? <laughs> That's a valid. What am I waiting question. for? What am I waiting for? That's true. Uh, I don't know what you're waiting for. Let us know. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Okay. Is it the segment, or would you like a question? Are you asking me? Yes. TikTok, time is running. TikTok, TikTok, I don't care. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> so I guess it's time for a question. Question. Segment. Question. Segment. Segment. Question. Segment. Okay. A, seg- a segment full of questions. Yes. Lightning, Lightning round. round. All right. Sound effect. <laughs> So, um, since this is your mom, maybe, do you want to explain it this time? And do you want to go oh first? We never do that. That would be crazy. Yeah. Should I? Yeah, we never do that. Let's, oh. I'm going to let Lucas go first. Okay. Uh, well, Mead, Mom, uh, I don't know what you prefer to be called, so I'll just call you Mead Mom for the rest of the show. <laughs> um, Mead Mom, uh, basically the way lightning round works is that I'm going to ask you five questions. Do you not call her mom? No, I call her mom. Oh, okay. But I, for people who are unfamiliar with her name, yeah. Mead. Yeah, I feel like sometimes so, I ought so to interject. What are these questions about? Yeah, always on task, always on task, my mother. Uh, so these questions, Sorry. I'm going to ask you five questions really quickly in a row. You're going to have to remember them, and then you'll have 30 seconds to respond to those questions. If you remember all of them and answer them correctly, in, in any order, you don't have to order. keep them in order. If you remember them all and answer them correctly and honestly, honesty is essential. But what you're, are they about? You. So you'll find they'll you. We're gonna learn about you here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you Glad so. you approved. Glad you approved. Uh, that uh, uh, that you might get a. If you answer all of them right, you might get a point, which I'm sure you care deeply about. I, I really don't care if I get points. <laughs> well, when you know when you find out what the prize is, 
Yeah, you yeah. know, you could be an amazing prize. It's a big hug from Lucas. Uh, I get those when he gets anyway. home. Oh, <laughs> damn it. All right. I got to stop hugging her. Yeah. I got to tell her. Your family's so very different than mine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you, are you, and then there's a round two, which comes after round one, but you'll find out you don't need to worry about that. Okay. Okay. Um, you now could keep worry in mind, about it. You, you don't have to answer all these and remember them, but if you don't, you do not get a point, if which you, I, you I know has help. been clearly stated. It's not <laughs> a concern. Are they asking for help from you? <laughs> from, yeah, either yes. from either of us. From either of us. But you have to try and remember all five. Here but, we go. You know, you, you should try, right? Yeah. It's, it's nice to try. Okay. 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 One. All right. Are you ready? Lighting round, round one. Are you ready? I yes. guess so. Okay, great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning round, round one, one. In a Sophie's Choice situation, oh, how God. quickly would you pick me over my brother, oh, Liam? <laughs> Two, you dated your college professor. Should everyone date their college professors at least once? <laughs> Three, what's something every child should know? Oh, Four, what's something you've never told me? Five, one <laughs> glass of wine or two? This why? feels like I should leave the room. <laughs> this feels really personal. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. All right, go. Remember, you have to be honest. You don't, and you don't have to answer them in order, but you could just start mm-hmm. whenever you want. Well, some of these don't sound like questions. Oh. All have Story. question marks at the end of them. <laughs> um, Sophie's Choice, I would choose you both, and I would figure out how to do it. Oh, better movie. That's not how that movie better worked. movie. <laughs> a better movie, yeah. That was a terrible movie. So that I really was a bad movie. Okay. Um, so, um, college professors, I think if, if that's what you want to do, you should do it. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Teach their own. Okay. What's something every child should know? Was that one? Yeah. Um, they should know that they are loved. Oh, Aww. that's great. Is that, the, is that your way of saying that you love me? <laughs> Of course. Okay, uh, nice. Uh, damn. That's the okay, first time he's ever well, asked that of one of his guests. So, um, it may not be the last, but you are the first. You should know. Okay. And what's something somebody should know about something? What's something you've never told me? You basically got uh, it. something I've never told you? I think there's many things I've never told well, you. Well, what's one? Um, what is one? Well, actually, what we were talking about last night, you never knew it before. Last night. Well, but I know it now. You know As it of now. this moment, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. As of this moment, something you have never known mm-hmm. about me. This is a good question. And you have to be honest. Now I'm scared. Well, there are, you know. <laughs> I like these thinking sounds. Yeah, these are great noises. Yeah. These are okay, amazing so let's noises. Go on to the next question. Whoa! I'm not sure what oh, there. that's a pass. That's a pass. You can answer it later. You don't have to answer them in order. But if you don't answer them all, you will not get a point. And that's a weird one not to answer. But I mean, understandable well, too. I'm trying to think because I've told you so many stories that I hadn't told you before. I know. I'm going to stay out of this okay, one. Okay, here's so something cr- you don't know, but uh, it's not. You know, um, a life-changing moment for me was when I saw ballet for the first time in London when I was with a college professor um, mm. traveling. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a romantic scene. Yeah. Setting up. That must have been yeah. a hell of a night. <laughs> 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 All right. And uh, the last question. One, one glass of wine or two. It and why? On the day. What's that? And why? And why? 
well. I Wait, what was your answer? Always, what? Two you are said better one? than one. Two are better than two one? Two are better than one. Yes. Love that. Love that. That's that old saying. Okay, so that was uh, that was your an- Those were your answers. They were yep. all great answers. Well, um, guess what? And so I finally well, get a point. Do you I get think, a point? I think I you, think she did it. Yeah, she. You did it. You won. You remembered them all, and you answered them all. And I and I, I think you're honest. And you said you love me. So I think like that's a pretty that's pretty good. Well, you get a, you get one point. Hey. <laughs> well, it's Why not over yet. Five points. Why don't you get five points? Because that's not how the game that's works. The, yeah. For someone who doesn't care about points, you're getting yeah, a little greedy real, with these points. Yeah, real grabby with the points over here. <laughs> okay, so I, I know this is uh, slightly off-putting, but there's another round. There's another round. Oh, my God. And it's from me. It's from the mind of Barry Rothbart, your other son. The mind of Barry Rothbart, your one your other son. Your son for an hour. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? So it's the same rules, just a new round of questions. Yeah, exact same. Nothing, these are, nothing these are has a lot changed. harder than Lucas's, so I'm just going to warn you. Uh, right. Okay, here we go. Lightning round. Question one. Tell me your favorite line ever written in any medium. Be honest. Two. If you were given the chance to rewrite any play or musical ever written, and your version would then become the new version that everyone will know forever, which play would you choose? Three, if you absolutely had to choose one of your sons for an unnamed athletic competition, where if you won, you could potentially save the U.S. from war, which son would you choose? Four, large tomatoes or the tiny ones? Be honest. Five, if you could take only one person throughout history on a seven-day-long hike on the Appalachian Trail, keep in mind that it would be against their will, and they might not be thrilled, which, which would you choose? Okay, there it is. Five. Yeah, you're right. These are way better than mine. Those are great questions. Yeah. Okay, go. Um, my favorite line in any medium, um, I don't know, to be or not to be. Wow, really? Okay. Can I ask why? Okay. Um, I think you already did in the question. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. No, you said and be honest. Be honest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be honest, yes, yeah, because... Well, because my son Lucas did Hamlet. Oh. That monologue was incredible. That's how we got Raising Hope, right? Uh, You should be buttering up Barry right now because he's in charge of this (laughs) round. I don't know what he's done, so I can't do that. Like Snapped. I don't, remember, take down. I don't yeah. remember the lines from Downward Dog. Oh, there's oh, some good ones. Say, there's some even really though good I enjoyed yeah. it very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Um, so that's your favorite line. Okay. And any of the other questions? Do you remember them? Do you need help? Well, if I could rewrite any play. Mm-hmm. And then your version will be the one everyone knows. Um, I'm not sure what that play would be because the plays that I really like, I wouldn't rewrite. Yeah, that is the and that's... the plays that I don't really like, I might rewrite, but yep. I'm not sure I'd bother to. Yep, that's <laughs> you, that's what makes this. But question in this good. universe, you have to <laughs> make a choice. Now, I mean, many times I've come back and said, "Well, if I could have done that play, I would yep. have done." But, but but you know, but the truth the truth is, I wouldn't want to spend that kind of time. Um, and I, of course, things that I really love, I wouldn't want to rewrite. So well, the question wasn't whether or not you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you hate conforming to these these rules we've set up in the questions if they don't appease you. But uh, you, you just just pick one. Okay, Macbeth. Oh, oh wow, that's interesting. Can wow. I tell you what I would have chosen? I know this is eating up your time. Um, yes, I, I would have chosen Mamma Mia. 
because I feel like uh, there's there's a big audience for that. And if if there's maybe a better message or or a more clear message, I think a lot of people would see it. Would you take out the music of ABBA? No, I'd leave the music of okay, ABBA. Then, but then yeah. I'd have a. No, yeah, I have yeah, never. Yeah. I have never seen Mamma Mia. Whoa. Exactly. So is that a political uh, statement? <laughs> I just a lack of. <laughs> desire <laughs> well just you know i don't want to get you too excited but they are making a sequel yeah! finally for mama mia mama mia it's one two of our sponsors is coming to the mama movies. mia 2 well, coming to theaters they don't have five and six already august 14th Ooh. so yeah hollywood yep. does do that okay so any of these other questions i can help you if you Large, need help okay the choice about something Mm-hmm. One son over another for athletics in an athletic competition. Unnamed athletic competition. You have to choose one of your sons. This could save the this, U.S. from war. This should be pretty easy. Unnamed. It could be any sporting event. You don't know what it is yet. Well, Still should be easy. <laughs> Still should be easy. Uh-huh. Well, if it was one of those, um, what did you used to do, Lucas? Where you did like fifty miles and oh, the ul- ultimate. Yeah, we know very well about yes. his ultra marathons. He's okay, bragged about go. that so on Lucas this podcast. Could do that because nobody else would want to do it. Um, <laughs> no, it's for. Wait, it's you don't not, know what it is. You don't. You don't know what the event is. <laughs> you don't get to decide. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you don't know what the athletic event is. That's the key to the question. You can't decide what you will succeed oh, at. I can't decide. No, 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 no. no, no. It's oh, unnamed. No, no, no. Come on. You will it never see I can't decide. You just have to pick one of us who's more likely statistically for most to be athletic events. In an, well, in it most actually athletic. depends on what it is because I think that oh, that's a lie. Liam, some events would do better. Exactly. Name one. The, Basketball. What? Barry will. Here's the thing. Lucas and I play basketball a lot, and uh, man, I I would love to see how Liam could be better. (laughs) Oh wait, I think that's Uh, a nice thing. Oh yeah, thanks. He's great at it. Yeah. So so Liam is the answer. Okay, let's go to large tomatoes or small tomatoes. (laughs) Okay, so Liam is the answer for that. Just letting everybody know. (laughs) Unbelievable. I'm taking my point back from round one. Um, large tomatoes. I like small tomatoes, especially if they're really unusual varieties. But do they don't they don't make pizza with small tomatoes? Here's the tomatoes. problem: they just pop in your mouth. I don't like how they pop. You could slice them. Yeah, I don't do that. But about I like but, little tomatoes. They they can be very much. I'll give it sweet. to you because you've remembered the question, but I disagree. Yeah, you're doing an incredible job remembering. And there's one more, one more question. Was something about a person? Yep. Hmm. I. I I think oh, one person that I would like to take on a trip or something. Seven yeah. day hike. I'm going to give you that because you remember it's incredible hike. through the okay, Appalachian so, Trail and keep in mind any um, person throughout history and they might not be Eleanor, willing. Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, why? Because I really admire her. She seems like it would be a difficult <laughs> hike. Yeah. Do would she? Do you think she'd come garbed appropriately, or is this is she like in Eleanor Roosevelt famous wear? <laughs> In this, in this I premise. think she probably <laughs> would come in the appropriate attire. Oh, yeah. Now, what if she was very angry at the fact that you made her do this? Yeah, what if you transported her in the night? You would have Eleanor Roosevelt mad at you. Yeah. Are you Roosevelt okay with that? Roosevelt is not going to be mad at me. Okay, I like that answer. Love that answer. That's a great answer. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, I want that as a soundbite, well, too. Well, that was five to choose. All right, that's... Lightning round, two points. Two points. Holy, you know that's the highest. That's that's some of the highest scoring anyone's ever done on lightning that's round. That's right. 
We've had uh, some of the greatest know, minds know, on this show. I know you don't care, but do you think you care a little bit? <laughs> sure. You know, we've... You know, I'm we, very competitive. Actually, the prize is, uh, we on a previous episode, you might have heard the prize is uh, you get a free haircut from me at any time. <laughs> yeah, you just name the yeah. time. And I will give you a free haircut. And pay for the plane ticket, and he'll be right there yes. to cut your hair. And, yeah. and Gary, do you actually cut hair? I never have. Uh, no one's redeemed it yet. <laughs> there are a lot of coupons out there right now. <laughs> Um, I, you said okay. you were competitive. Can you, hey. do you actually, you and dad, uh, Alan, who has also been on this podcast. That's my dad's name too. Did I ever talk about that? My dad's no. name's Alan also? No, never. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. Did he pronounce it that way? He said Alan. Ah, yeah. No, no, yeah, it was okay. Alan, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have been playing Scrabble for years because you're nerds. Um, have you been keeping, you've been keeping track of the games? Oh, right, your dad keeps track of the games. Ah, yes, he has kept track for the last twelve years. Or so. so, who's ahead? No, we're actually pretty tied. <gasps> wow, I'm, I'm way better than my wife at Scrabble, and I keep track like, meticulously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so I, I get but it. Your dad does, of course. I have to trust that he's keeping accurate score. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you trust him? Um, I do, but you know, sometimes I have to remind him to put my points down. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think competitiveness is a good thing? Hmm, that's I a good question. I think it's good to. Well, actually, that's the only thing I can really compete that much in. Um, that and and I was doing the swim team for a while, which I haven't had time to do, in which I also like to win, but um. Hey, you got a medal, didn't you? I've gotten several medals. Um, but, you know. <laughs> That's great. Congratulations. I, I have a question just to, to, to bring it back to, um, to, to the incredible work you do. Mm-hmm. Um, is there thoughts about branching this out to other places besides Illinois there or are. making it bigger? I mean, right now, we actually had a very uh, a large investment made by a group called Chicago Beyond. Um, in 2016, um, which gave us the opportunity to expand the Changing Voices Ensemble, which is the post-release group, and to um, have this research done by Urban Labs at the University of Chicago to you know determine whether the the stuff that we do helps people, our our young people, to find employment and to not get reincarcerated. And so we're in the middle of that, and we've been really growing by leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. Wow. So, yes, we are looking to expand throughout the state of Illinois and then nationally. You've, uh, I believe you've taught overseas, right? I have. I went to, I had a fellowship here where I went to spend a lot of time in, the, you know, Great Britain and Scotland and Ireland. Can you can you tell tell us what that was like? Were there any major ways in which it's you know there's sort of the prison system or the incarceration system is different there? Or the community is different there, or do you find a lot of the same things everywhere you go? Well, no, we incarcerate more people than any place else in the world here in the United States. I mean, in Scotland, they consider a twenty year sentence a life sentence. Wow. Here we consider a life sentence to be, you know, three life sentences. And mm. we lock up kids and, you know, the, the whole thing about um, youth, um, that it, be, it being cruel and unusual punishment to give a kid life without parole is, you know, 
happened. Um, I, I have kids that I worked with um, in the 90s that are still locked up and they call me on the phone pretty much every week. And and actually a bunch of them are out and they're serving as mentors to our younger kids. But they were they were 14 and 15 year olds in the 90s who are now in their 30s and 40s. And still in prison. Um, well, still, and some of them out, and oh. the ones that are out are all have jobs, and wow. um, they're actually have had a lot of weddings in the last weddings and baby showers. How long <laughs> do you stay involved in these kids' lives? Well, a long time because these were kids in the '90s, and you know, I'm going to. I went to a wedding in Key West last year for Terrence and Zenobia. And who's who's Terrence and Zenobia for people who aren't familiar? Terrence um, was a kid of mine at the detention center in 96 and 97 um, when he was 15. Um, Dory and Edmund, who are getting married in September, um, were also about 94 and 95. Um, And what's interesting is that these kids did these plays together in the 90s, and they were all in on, you know, mostly at murder charges, gang stuff, you know, things and when they got out they all looked each other up and you know they had they came to our benefit they had a big reunion it was like a class reunion in a sense because they had done something that was really meaningful for them when they were you know 14 and 15 16 and they never forgot it i edmund came out and he gave me the certificate that we had given him for you know finishing the play in 1995 he had kept it all those years Wow. So, yeah, it was really moving. And they're wonderful people, and they're really wanting to give back. They're really willing to come out and do anything for me. And it's, you know, it's really great. And that's why so many people call you mom. Yeah, that is true. Yes. With Terrence, you know, his when we were writing the play at the detention center, his mom was dying of cancer. And so the opening scene of the play was of her death, which so that he could have this moment with her at her death, which he would not have because he was locked up. Um, and so from you know that point on, he called me mom wow. um, for many, many years. Um, so, you know, but they're all out doing positive stuff and working and, you know, trying to have good lives and to give back. And it, okay. if someone hears this, and I assume someone will hear this, and they are like, wow, that sounds incredible. I would love to do something like that. What could someone do if, they, if this sounds like, like work that they want to be involved in and they want to do? Well, there is a network of people that do work in prisons and in both adult prisons and juvenile, um, you know, throughout the country. And you sort of have to get on the net and look up, you know, arts in prison. There's a a bunch of different, I mean, I know people that are in Iowa and Wisconsin, California, um, a lot of different places that do it. You look up California Lawyer for the Arts. They have a whole network of people, um, arts in prisons, um, Shakespeare in prison. Uh, there's a lot of people that do that. So, you know, and there's, I know a woman, Mary Cohen at the University of Iowa that runs a, with her church choir they do a a program in the local prison where they they bring in like 30 some people who sing and um work with the men in the prison there's 
a, you know, a fair number of people that do this work and it's throughout the country. So you sort of have to go on your internet and look to see what's around you. Uh, yeah, I had a, I have a, a, a question. I think we only have a couple more questions and then we'll probably finish this up. But, um, I, you had a program called fabulous females and, uh, I, I thought it's a really interesting program, and I'd love for you to for, for for our audience to sort of talk about what it's like to work in a female only sort of uh, you know these are troubled youth and people who are locked up or in detention centers, and what it's like working with women and what their experience. If there are any stories you could share about that experience, and uh, uh, that would be really uh, yeah. Well, great. the pipeline to prison for <laughs> girls is generally <laughs> what a question. Sorry, um, sorry. Sex- you know, anyway, the pipeline to prison for girls is generally sexual abuse and rape. Um, it's a very high percentage of girls that have, you know, been abused. And, it, you know, it's a life changing trauma and that gets people into dropping out, anger, depression, and, you know, at some point committing a crime. Or in the case of girls, young girls, um, for a long time, it was just that girls were arrested for things that boys were not. For example, running away, you know, being what they call incorrigible, um, having fights with your family. um, And these are reasons girls would get locked up. Yes. And, and, you know, like in Illinois, um, because, uh, you know, a lot of girls would turn to drugs and heroin and stuff, but there was no, in many, especially the rural um, towns and cities, had no um, drug treatment centers that were, had any length of time that a kid might need. So they were generally maybe six weeks long uh, for a treatment program. And so they would incarcerate the girls in order for them to get into a six month program, which is pretty incredible that you would think that you would lock kids up in order to give them treatment, um, which doesn't happen anymore since it's the Department of Juvenile Justice and not the Department of Corrections anymore. But, um, and things have changed a lot in Illinois. Um, The Fabulous Females program is now called Word Warriors because it is both males and females because they um, have really worked hard to keep the prison population down in Illinois. And so it went from like over a thousand or so kids to about 400 now. And they've closed a lot of the centers and the um, Warrenville, which was the, the only you know prison for girls is now also for boys, although it is for vulnerable boys. And lately it seems to be for very young boys. So we had a lot of 13 year olds wow. coming in. Um, so, but what was yeah, Fabulous Females in its original incarnation? Well, Fabulous Females, when we were working at the detention center, it became clear to me that the that the girls in the boys' plays were always the girlfriends and the mothers, and it wasn't really about their issues. And so I decided I should do a girls' group, you know, just specifically for girls. And the first night that I went in to work with them, one girl started talking about um a mother's boyfriend that had raped her and almost instantly it was like just pushing a button every girl in the room is talking at once all about sexual abuse and you know it was just clear that they had stories that could not be told in a male group and are you now that the now that the group is co-ed has any of that changed have you lost any of that 
Well, no, because in the writing sessions, we divide the boys from the girls mm. um, in order to make everybody safe. And then eventually, when we the stories are written, you know, the, the group shares them and comes back together and we put them together and the boys and the girls perform together. Um, but the actual writing, which is, you know, the hardest part um, for people to feel safe in, um, we do separately. Have you noticed, uh, since you've worked, I guess, with several generations of, of kids, have you noticed, what, what, what would you say is a big difference in kids these days and kids back then? Because, you know, I've been around kids, and you, would you think, there is there a big difference? With kids like these this, days? These days. You know how, like, old people yeah, sometimes days, go, kids. kids these days. Well, Have, is, is there a the, difference? The difference in incarcerated kids mm -hmm. is that once you stop incarcerating the general population for whatever, right, and you keep those kids out in the community, then the kids that are incarcerated are the kids with the most emotional problems, the most behavior problems, the most dysfunctional families. And, um, you know, that making that change was actually, you know, what, um, challenging in a way because it what was change? like, now they stopped locking up as many just kids for being kids and started locking up more like, uh, well, they, the serious offenders the, and kids with serious kids issues. That are in the system are the hardest to place because you know they've been through foster families they've oh. been abused they you know they're just right. emotionally this is the last stop on the station and yeah it really is and and so oh and that's a pretty new thing or, yeah, yeah well it's new that you have nothing but kids like that before yeah. it was you have a population of you got the heroin addicts but they're you know they're right. otherwise <laughs> normal you know got the normal kids um and they haven't been so abused and neglected um so when you have you know these kids that are the hardest to place and the kids that have been maybe in the system for a very long time and you know are emotionally challenged you know they have their they have a lot of um emotional and behavioral problems that it, it becomes you know it's just more challenging because you have before you'd have some of those kids mixed in with a more general population and so it would kind of even out and when that first started happening i realized well in some ways it was a, a good thing um i had a girl that had never made it through a session because she had been seriously abused and you would see sort of the dark clouds start to form around her head and and she would just you know kind of have an episode by the end of a, a session and so i made it my business to, you know, I decided I was going to get her through a session. And so I sat next to her and I, you know, was a calming presence and just sort of whispered in her ear every time I would see, you know, like the clouds coming. And, you know, she did make it through and she ended up being the lead in my play wow. that year. Um, and she's actually married and living in Elgin right now and just had a baby. And Don't dox her. What? Sorry, what? No, I just was a, I was just a dumb thing. I just said, just don't dox her. Just don't put, you know, don't, don't. Oh, that's doxing. Yeah, doxing. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I forgot I said anything. It was yeah. a terrible interruption. Okay. Um, I, 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 on that note, though, um, I was kind of curious uh, if there's any one person or, or one story that you've, that you've encountered over the years that you still think about, that you can't, you know, that you find yourself just thinking about again and again. Well, actually, there's a series of them. Um, I had um, 
a group of kids who all sort of in an, in an amazing way connected to each other. This is when it was just girls. But I, I had a girl from downstate who, who had um, a little white girl. She lived in a rural community and she and her brother skipped school one day and they had a fight and she told him that she hoped that he would die. And that day, the parents came home and they took their kids to a restaurant. And as they were approaching the restaurant, a tornado came in and they ran into the basement of the restaurant. And there were six kids in the family. And after, you know, the restaurant collapsed above them. And as they were lying there in the rubble, the mother, you know, said, started calling individually the names of each child. And the only one that didn't answer was the brother. And, you know, it was terrible for the little girl she just you know thought it was entirely her fault that he died and she kind of went crazy and she dropped out of school you know the whole general reaction that kids have to trauma you know and you know she started doing crazy things like burning down houses and stuff and she ended up incarcerated but and no one had ever known that story and so she told it in um fabulous females and um, the family came. They had n- never known that she had said that to him. And so it was a very healing moment for the family. And and so that was kind of incredible. And then the the play that we did that year, her story was a big part of it. And so another girl stepped into playing that role who had actually never told her story before. Um, and she'd been with us for actually quite a few years. And she really got into playing the role and she approached me in the hall afterwards and said you know that playing the you know that um jenny's role uh, just connected me to my own trauma and then she was ready to tell it and she had been seriously sexually abused um by her father and his friend and so that story um was (laughs) sort of the big part of the next play and during that story, because um, everybody, we'd done it in the stage readings and stuff, and um, there, you know, everybody would cry through the whole thing. And then a girl, Angelica, who's one of my star writers, um, came to me when we were working on the play, and she said, "You know, um, everybody cries for Jessica, and I can't cry for her because if I cried for her, I would have to cry for myself." And she had been a girl who was really a tough girl and, you know, had been involved with a lot of gangs and stuff. And it allowed her to tell the story of her own rape. And so it was just like watching this whole little thing of one girl stepping into another girl's story, into another girl's story that allowed them to release their own was just, I think, an amazing sequence. You you can actually directly see the transformative power of theater, like right there. It's kind of... Exactly. That's crazy. <laughs> you saw three lives change through three different through two different plays. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's incredible. Well, yeah. you know, um, thank um, you. Yeah, uh, I think we're we're wrapping up. So thank you so much for coming. We have one final question. Well, two. We, like to, two. we always have two. You yeah, do the two. honors, Lucas. Oh no, I couldn't. Come on, I, I will. Uh, <laughs> one. Thank you so much for coming on, Mead Mom. 
You've been a great mead mom the entire, mead mom. entire show. <laughs> Hashtag mead mom. Um, and uh, what we like to do is ask people if there's a cause or a charity or an organization, I think you might know one, uh, where you can name your own, <laughs> where people can donate their time, resources, or, or funds, or, or money. Uh, if there's anything you can think of that you, you think people should donate their time or money to, now would be a great time to say it. Well, of course, storycatcherstheater.org. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the website, and you know we—that is my company, and, um, and this is the work that we do. And you know we are ab- about trying to help people change their lives. And what kind of what kind Not of a donation could make a difference? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like even a small—I'm just saying—even small donations make a difference, right? Yeah, you know, a donation of any size. Obviously, we love large donations, but it's also <laughs> only five dollars. Uh huh. You know. Even $5 helps a lot. We have some people that are like parents of kids of ours who, you know, will send in a small amount every month. And it's just a very meaningful thing to do um, because they are helping, you know, another child like theirs. Okay, great. Well, that's storycatcherstheater.org. And then then the the final, final, final question. We always ask our guests. We always ask this is um, what's one reason you can think of? uh, Why should we be hopeful? why Why should we have have hope? Please tell us. Well, <laughs> why should we have hope for yeah, the world? Why should we have hope? Just in general. In general, yeah. In general, because I think that people in general are good and that they want the best for each other and that when people learn about each other, it can be very life-changing and affirming. And I find hope every day when I'm working with you know kids who, are, who have really been terribly abused and traumatized. But when you see the light go on in someone's eyes, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. Wow. Yeah. If you could hear us, we're clapping. Yeah, can you hear us? We're clapping, Mead Mom. Um, thanks so much <laughs> Thank for coming you, on Mom. the show. I hope you're enjoying your second glass of wine because two is better. Uh, <laughs> take care. Love you. I'll talk, Love you, soon. Love you. I'll we, talk to you soon, I'm sure. I hope, I, I hope we get to hang out soon again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, that would be good. You guys should come to Michigan as well. Oh, is that an invite? Is that like a voter fraud thing? (laughs) (laughs) Because we're ready to help. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay.